Hi, I'm Jason Stockwell. Welcome to Inside the Hive. So Inside the Hive is a robotics podcast that focuses on three things. People, technology and stories. This week, we're joined by Will Murray. Will works in the robotics lab. He's also a student at the University of the West of England. That's UE for sure. Will takes us through the projects that he's working on on his course, what made him want to study robotics in the first place, and what he thinks is going to happen with the future of the workplace. He's got a little philosophical basilisk at the end that he's going to take us through as well. Hi Will. Hi Jason, how's it going? Yeah, great, how are you? <laughs> Excellent. That's brilliant, what are you here to talk to us about today? So uh, I think I'll probably talk to you a bit about my background, um, my next sort of steps in robotics. I'm currently doing a project to do with robotic basketball, which is very interesting. And then maybe some ethics about robotics. So to start us off, how did you get into robotics? So I got into robotics completely by chance. So basically, when I, when I was doing my A-levels, there's, there's a whole load of backstory, but when I, whilst I was doing my A-levels, I really was not focused on academia whatsoever. There were a few different things in my life that were just pulling me in, in all different directions. And um, as a result of that, I knew I wanted to go to university, but the the my my paths within university could have just been very different to what they are now. So originally, what I'd applied to do at university was philosophy at Manchester, um, yacht and powercraft design, and politics and economics. And I, I applied for those degrees at a few different universities, and. Um, Coming towards the end of my levels, I really, you know, cranked it up a little bit and um, started to work hard. I literally didn't pay attention for the first two years of A-levels, but the last three months I, I tried, you know, quite quite hard. And um, I realised that I, I was actually very good at maths and physics. And the avenues that I'd pre-planned for myself, like, they were interesting. But when I, when I really looked at it, I didn't have any experience in any of those fields. I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy them. And... You know, I had no uh, no inkling of natural talent in them whatsoever. Like, they would be interesting. You know, philosophy is interesting. You and I both are interested in philosophy. But um, I didn't see myself getting careers that I would enjoy in any of those fields. So um, I, I, I'd searched further into the engineer, engineering, like, spectrum. And I found the robotics course at UWE. There were a few other universities that had robotics courses. But because of the robotics lab here and, you know, the prestige... It just seemed like a no-brainer, and I went through clearing to to um, join the robotics course at the University of the West of England, and that that was kind of how I stumbled upon robotics. But um, as soon as I got here, I knew that it was right for me, and the first two years I spent at university, I was just completely infatuated with robotics. All the media I would consume was about robotics. All my friends were interested in building electronics and robotics and um, I just spent I spent all my time just writing programs making bits of electronics and um, yeah just f- trying to further myself in the field of robotics and AI. I can't imagine you doing yacht and powercraft design that's quite a difference. That was in um, I think Falmouth so so I, I was at, at, the, at that point in my life when I, when I did actually apply for university I was just so relaxed about everything, just so chilled out. And I thought, oh, Falmouth, that, that'll be cool. I'll live by the beach and build yachts and stuff. That'll... Um, it was kind of, you know, you know the end of um, Shawshank Redemption where, where he goes to Panama and, and just <laughs> builds boats with, <laughs> <Yeah>. with red. <laughs> 
I, that's kind of why I envisage my life to be like. <laughs> but then uh, there was the philosophy as well. I, I don't know. The the thing is, um, so before before um, before I started my levels, I was a swimmer. So I've I've always my family is um, massively into sport, um, and I was a you know top national level swimmer, and um, that consumed my life completely. It was literally all I knew. So from the ages of about ten to eighteen, I think I swam upwards of like twenty five thirty hours a week on top of school. Yeah, so so I would say that's that's kind of why I wasn't paying attention to school whatsoever is because I had I just had this other thing that um that I thought I really really wanted to like go to the Olympics with, but yeah, it, I I I rationalized it out of myself that the chances are too slim, and then. It, you're you're an Olympic athlete. There's not too much money in in these sports. And then what do you do after the age of thirty? You know, you're not you're not qualified to do anything realistically if you've just been an Olympian. And unless you're Michael Phelps, your career's kind of over at thirty, right? So so I thought to myself, I'm probably not good enough at this to um, make a living for the rest of my life. And and then I cranked up the the A levels dial and I realised I actually enjoyed academia. That's a very sport-focused background. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of my, my life prior to that. So my, my siblings are both. Um, what, I have an Olympian as a sibling, and my, um, and my um, brother recently won a European Championships, and they both do modern pentathlon. So I'm kind of the dark sheep of the, of the family at, at the moment. Like, you know, I'm just potential, but they're actually things, you know. They, they've done, they've accomplished stuff. But, but yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of what was distracting me. I've done some robotics research, but I can't say I'm a modern pentathlon expert. What sports are involved in pentathlon? Basically, it was, it was the first sport in the modern Olympics. So the modern Olympics started in, I think, the 19th century, the very start of the 19th century, if I'm right. And basically, obviously, you've got the, the, the classic Olympics from Greece, but then uh, the modern Olympics was built around being the perfect soldier at that time. So those the the five sports that would make you the perfect soldier were horse riding, fencing, shooting, swimming and running. So if if you can imagine being a war, in a war situation if you were you know com, uh, competent in all five of those disciplines you you wouldn't have any issue in battle I guess. And that's yeah that that's the sport that they both do. And who in your family is the Olympian? So my sisters, she's called she's called Samantha Marie. Um she she went to London, uh, twenty twelve, won a silver medal, that that was a that was a cool day, so we uh, we um yeah, I, this is a, this is a major um segue, but so she won yeah she she won a silver medal and uh yeah we 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 watched her in Greenwich Stadium they, they built sort of this temporary stadium that held like twenty five thousand people mm-hmm. and obviously it was a home crowd so everyone was going mental. And um, that was cool. And then she she um, competed again in Rio, and I think came eighth. And uh, yeah, and then my my brother's sort of trying to follow in in her st- footsteps. But for me, uh, uh, athletics, well, I I wasn't a pentathlete. I was a swimmer. And um and I just I decided eventually that um I I wasn't I wasn't gonna be good enough, and well, and I'd rather take the a- academic route. So yeah, that's kind of my background. And now you're almost through university. What are you working on? I've just finished my industrial placement completely. I've, you know, all ties are tied up, and um, I can I can leave that behind now. And and now all my 
all my energy is focused on my dissertation and project, which is with Frank, who's on your podcast. So Frank was on an earlier episode of the podcast. I think it was episode two. He's now working with Will on a project. Will, can you tell our listeners what the project's about? So, so Frank's, Frank's um, I guess, business at the moment is he, he's sort of creating this box set lesson for, that covers basically almost everything in robotics. So it's going to be a robot that can essentially play basketball. Um, and uh, there's, there's an element of gamification. So once you've built this robot, you'll be able to you know, play with your friends against uh, you know, um, other teams of these robots. And the educational part is in the assembly. So there's a, a mechanical engineering aspect, which is you know, building the, the structure. And then there's a whole host of different electronics and software components that, that make it a robot. So that, those are all the, the, well, they're the three main um, things that go into any robot, right? And then there, there's a whole other more advanced section as well, which is kind of what my dissertation will be about. So there's going to be some artificial intelligence tied in at the, you know, once, once it's completed, machine vision, computer vision. And then, um, like control theory, and he he wants to use these. They're called Swedish wheels. That mean that the robot can move. Uh, you can't. Listeners can't see my hands moving around, can they? No. <laughs> no. But um, so it can, it can it can move in any direction instantly. So it's not got it's like a turning circle like a car. So so these Swedish wheels, they they have sort of the normal uh, rotation rotational axis of a wheel with perpendicular rotation which is a bit yeah it's almost like spinning uh yeah which is it's kind of that's a very bad explanation of it but basically (laughs) you have three of these wheels and different combinations of them spinning make the vehicle travel in different ways right so so you might have um two wheels spinning the, the two back wheels spinning one way and the front wheel spinning in the opposite direction and that'll make it you know turn clockwise or something on uh, on um, one point in in space, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's a whole other element of the of the project. But my my dissertation is mainly focused on the computer vision side of things. So eventually, what we would like to have is a robot that can be in the game space, which is a five by five meter area, and it should be it can locate its competitors its teammates and the the goal and it should be able to figure out exactly how far away from those things it is and then it it should be able to angle its shoot essentially and apply the correct amount of force to the ball to make it go exactly where you want it to and yeah that's 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 my part of the project pretty much god that sounds like there's a lot to go into it yeah, so so the the thing the thing about it is is that the more you think about it, the more things pop up with regards to what there is to do. So there's all the vision aspect of things, but then how do you communicate um, the coordinates of you know the angle of the shoot to the rest of the robot? You've got you've got a whole host of communications involved, microcontrollers. You've got some sort of feedback loop that that will. Um, talk to the motors and make sure that it's in the place that it's supposed to be because no motor is perfect and yeah there's you know control algorithms there's 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 a lot of stuff that 
that is sort of behind the scenes with it. And um, that's where the real challenge comes in. But it's kind of good for me because it just gives me so much more to write about in my dissertation. I think my dissertation has a maximum of 15,000 words. And by the end of the project, I'll probably be, you know, trimming the fat rather than tr uh, trying to make 15,000 words, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I can choose, like, the best bits, essentially. Um, and obviously, Frank will be an, an incredible mentor, so... Yeah, looking forward to, to getting on with it, really. The, um, this has just started for me. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited. Sounds like an incredible amount of fun. I'm going to be popping in the lab quite frequently now. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you, you're going to be dodging ping pong balls left, right and centre, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... During your year in industry, did you use machine vision? No, not at all. So, the, the project that I just finished was mostly web slash app technologies so it's it, it, there was no there was almost no robotics involved whatsoever but um i figured that i'll definitely be programming in robotics and probably in, in my career at some point so um i took a i took a year in industry where it was it was entirely software based and um the the good thing about software is if you're doing any sort any form of software, you're sort of sharpening a universal tool. So I'm I'm reasonably proficient at the moment in in .NET slash C sharp development, um, but that means that if if I wanted to program something else in C sharp, so that's most of that um, effort is based in web technologies. But if I wanted to program some robotics in in C sharp, then the, the skills are transferable from web technologies to, to robotics because I have this foundational, you know, C-sharp tool kind of thing. And then, um, and I would say, well, it's very, it's, it's commonly heard that once you have learned one programming language, it's much easier to pick up others. And it's kind of, that, that's basically what I did. So, so I didn't, that's no, I didn't, I didn't use any vision. And earlier on in the podcast, you mentioned AI. How are you going to be using it in this project? Right, yeah, so what we would like to eventually have is a, a system that can be controlled with a remote controller, right? So, so um, it, you, can, you can play it like a game. But the actual crux of Frank's business is the, the educational side of things. So one, one application that I'm looking into for my dissertation for teaching artificial intelligence is going to be um, perhaps training a neural network to control the robot and eventually teach itself to get the ball in the basket every time it, it shoots. So the way you'd have to do that is you'd have to provide heuristics for the robot to know whether or not it got the ball in the basket and then you'd have to provide it with variables. So those variables might be um, distance, angle of distance away from the, the, the net, the angle of the shoot and the force applied to the ball. And what you would what you would do is probably simulate something like this, but you you can um, you can train a you can train a neural net, say, to um, become more and more accurate uh, when it shoots. The, you know the ball, and and what that does is it refines it refines an algorithm that you can then use on the robot when it's you know actually playing a game, and 
and you didn't have to calibrate the robot whatsoever. It just knows at that point how to you know shoot the ball into the basket. And so that that's where artificial intelligence would would eventually. Oh, God, how long do you think this project will take? What are the timelines? So um, I have um, until I think June of twenty twenty to 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 fully finish it. So the 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 whole project will be ongoing for years, I'm sure. But but my um, for for the purposes of my dissertation, I've got you know nine ten months. And when this project's over, what do you want to do? So, so obviously, I'm I am thinking about that a lot now. That the the light at the end of the tunnel is is upon us when it comes to the end of you know my degree. So, I I I I see myself having three avenues pretty much. Um, I would really like to do further education. I feel like robotics is it's so um, you you kind of jack of all trades when you do a robotics undergraduate course because you get a bit of electronics you get a bit of software you get a bit of sort of mechanical stuff you know there's you you cover little bits of a very very broad spectrum of engineering and i think in order to truly master something you have to specialize a bit a bit further so i'd really i would like to do that with a, with a master's course and i'm thinking more along the software side of things um so what what i would what i would really like to do is a master's in some sort of computer science, maybe computational finance, something something along those lines. I have a few universities in mind that I'm going to apply for to, to do this out. Um, one is Bath, uh, UCL, um, Imperial and, and Kings. Th those are my four main choices. So uh, there's that. I could I could do that. Or I could just go straight into you know work and just get a job a lot of people do and there's the 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 course is is well respected so there are reasonable graduate positions available for for graduates of robotics at UE and then I guess another option is kind of go off on my own and carve my own path I mean we're both in the incubator space and it's quite inspiring really seeing people just start businesses you know people you know make their own thing for themselves and I guess if you if if I come to the end of my degree and decide actually I don't want to get on the greasy corporate ladder, then I'll probably try something like that. I mean, I do I do enjoy not having somebody tell me what to do all the time, which has been my uh, you know last year. And also, university is a bit like that. You 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 make your own work essentially. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of my my three different paths. The, the another another option would be research, but I'm not too interested in research. A lot of people do it, um, but unfortunately, I'm I'm um, an evil capitalist, and I wouldn't like to have money at some point <laughs> within the next you know five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to move on a little bit here to talk about the future of robotics in the workplace. As you work in the robotics industry and you have a great view of what the tech's capable of, how do you think robotics will change the workplace? So I think. I do see that people are very worried about, you know, this. I've seen statistics such as forty percent of the work workforce will be made redundant because of you know automation, and um, whilst while it is quite a scary prospect and nobody really knows what's going to happen, I, I, I don't think that 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 kind of thing will happen. I mean, over the twentieth century there have been 
like three or four scares where with with regards to automation making you know x percentage of the workforce redundant but it never quite happens that way i think the the fact that it takes time to implement massive automation projects gives humanity enough time to find other places to put people and you know te uh, technology is evolving so fast that n new jobs come up all the time jobs that you wouldn't have even thought would possibly exist you know so in 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 uh, i don't know tw uh, 20 years ago being a researcher into robotic whiskers was never even a prospect that crossed anyone's mind but now there's you know five positions available here that that you you could do with that right so um i think it was the early 20th century where farming you know automation in um, agriculture was becoming a massive thing and that's simple things like the the the, the combine harvest yeah combine harvest you know that that came into fruition and and people thought that um you know everyone was going to lose their job then but you know it's 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 never the case yes those jobs are automated away but it just provides a i would say a higher platform for society itself to find other people you know find new positions for people and i think that'll just kind of happen again as we automate away um you know most driving jobs factory work that kind of thing i i just think that new new positions will come up and if they don't i'm not really sure what we'll do i i think I, i've i've read quite a lot into universal universal basic income for what would happen if most of the workforce was automated away and th there's there's there is some sort of solution where it's basically benefits but you know made much more appealing and and attractive and accepted because so many people would actually be on it so i don't know in the future everyone might be entitled to a base salary of 24,000 pounds if you live in england just because you're an english citizen something like that might happen and it and i think the the crux of that argument is that people would then be able to focus more on creative endeavors and you know the world will benefit because of that obviously there are arguments against that in that people on benefits now on painting loads of pictures or making sculptures or anything like that so the the there are pros and cons the thing the one one thing that worries me is throwing money at problems is often a horrible solution like like people might be poor but and um and you might think okay what's the solution to um help someone that is poor and the the immediate answer without thinking in any depth to it whatsoever is oh give them money but actually no what if that what if that poor person has you know a heroin addiction and then they get their they get their you know 1200 pounds check for that uh, month the the likelihood of them being face down in a ditch in 3 days is is pretty high isn't it so it, using money responsibly is is difficult and so, you know, one one solution might be to to um, tax, ro uh, you know, these these robots that have been brought in and automated away jobs very heavily, and then trickle that money down in a in an intelligent way. That 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 makes a lot of sense to me, but just universal basic income where you give people at the very bottom of the dominance hierarchy 
money. It just doesn't. It doesn't fly with me. I'd, I'm not sure if there is enough being done to really. Th well, I, I think there, there is quite a lot being done to really think about what would happen if if this was um, if if you know automation was to really take off. But there's not. I wouldn't say that there's there's enough people in power really thinking about it, uh, which is a, a little bit scary to, to think, because anything could happen really. Like te we, we as a society have accepted technology and it's, it's taboo to slow it down in any way. And I think if we did that, then, well, no, I just don't think that, that we would slow down automation because it, it's, it's kind of taboo, like, you know, to, to, um, to shun technological advances, but in this case, it might make sense to just say, hold on a sec, let's just think about what's gonna happen if we actually implement all this stuff. Um, yeah, there, there just aren't really any tariffs on it at the moment, I don't think. Yeah. It's, all, it's all just company ethics. So, so you know, and, and when, when you're in a position where your forecast of implementing a, um, a big automated warehouse, for example, may, might make 1,500 people redundant, but your company makes X amount more money. You know, people can often ethically provide their own logic to, to just choose the money route, you know. And yeah, the, the, there's, there's basically no boundaries to them doing that. And as you previously confessed, you have a keen interest in philosophy. Have you merged philosophy and robotics and what have you what have you found so and and this is this is a i think i think the term is a, a, a philosophical basilisk basically <laughs> i just just a thought experiment that, that i read up on uh, recently it's called roco's basilisk so basically if i when when i say this now you're instantly exposed to the to the basilisk it's it's just a thought experiment and i, I thought i'd just share it on the podcast so Basically, if there ever was an artificial intelligence that was powerful enough in the future to really be an AGI, so a general intelligence, then it would know that you knew in the past that it was going to come into existence. And it would torture you because you didn't try to, f to bring about its existence. So if you, if, you, if you know now that this AGI may come into existence and you don't help it come into existence, then it will know that you knew it was going to come into existence, but didn't help. That's Roko's Basilisk. You can see that as an incentive to speed up um, the, the progress in robotics, but um, yeah. Ah, that's a terrifying thought. On to other positives within robotics. What are you most excited about? So I'm, I'm, I, I love convenience, and I think robotics is the next step to making convenience, uh, you know, extreme convenience, a widespread possibility for everyone. So, you know, things that just help around the house. And I, I think that's a, that's a, a, a foreseeable goal that is genuinely achievable in the next 10 years, just mass convenience. And just in terms of that convenience, what would make your life easier right now? So if I, if I never have to cook or clean or wash my clothes, or you know, brush my own teeth, that that kind of thing. Then that that for me is just incredible. I I can it's it's like minimalism to the extreme. You you've got you've got 
absolutely no choices to make bar the things that you enjoy doing. Oh, brilliant. Toothbot coming soon. On to personal passions. Are you looking to combine robots and swimming? Um, I thought about implementing computer vision and sport. So I think um, you could you could definitely use, I don't know, computer vision and artificial intelligence to analyse your technique and, and make slight adjustments that would make you a certain percentage faster. But I don't know about a swimming robot. Usually throwing electronics into water kills it quickly, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, are you working on a personal passion within robotics? The, we, we, we're kind of thrown into advanced, advanced machine vision this year. Um, the, the, so the robotics degree at UE is kind of evolving all the time and um, it's, it's evolved in a way that if you were on placement this year you missed doing the introductory machine vision module in second year and you dropped straight into advanced machine, machine vision when you go into your final year so, but I'm, I'm, I'm up for the challenge so I'm, I'm excited about that there's some more artificial intelligence type things that you learn about in um, your final year I think there is a biocomputation model that, module that um, looks at genetic algorithms a bit or something like that I'm not entirely sure but then there's also probabilistic robotics which sounds exciting oh and we get to do an ethics module oh, which I'm, re I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by that we take classes with the philosophy students at, at uni and you know have debates and, and talks about the future of robotics, which I, I, I love doing, I could talk about for hours, as you can probably tell. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely brilliant. Thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, really enjoy myself. Thank you, Jason. Inside the Hive was made by Butthive. To find out more about Will and Frank's project, you can listen to episode two. There'll be a link on our website at bot-hive.com. It will be in the blog tick section. There's a button for podcasts so you can see all the previous episodes in there. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so be sure to subscribe to the episodes. If you want to tweet us, I'll send you the link directly at wearebothive. Uh, I'll be putting it out as a thread under the tweet. Inside the Hive's produced at Bristol Robotics Lab, and I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>